Patrick Fauci and Braden Sullivan. All right, welcome back to the Bacon Fruit Podcast. Uh, is this an official episode? I don't think so. Okay, so we, we're still not doing official. I'm on vacation next week, though, so we might actually be able to do an official episode that week. Okay. Or maybe the week after. One of the two. You never know. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, I am your host this week, Patrick Forche, and I am joined by the man in blue, Brayden Sullivan. <laughs> Sorry. That probably sounds really bad. That was recording. a classic yawn. Um, to to be fair, uh, fatherhood is surely making you tired. Well, like so, I mean, I'll address this here. I don't, I don't even think we made an announcement that there was no episode last week. Yeah, it was the last two or three weeks have just been nuts. Basically, since whenever we recorded the last one, like heat waves, basements getting redone, uh, multiple times getting sick. So it's just been kind of an off few weeks, I think. I'm texting. <laughs> I thought you had more to say. No, I didn't really have more to say, Mr. Host. Oh, well, I guess I shouldn't text then. Gosh. <laughs> hosting. Texting um, and hosting. That's against the bacon fruit laws. We have never made bacon fruit laws. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good to be back. Uh, you know, we, we're a little sparser these days, but hopefully someday soon we'll get back into a rhythm. I'd like to. Yeah, because I, I do really enjoy it. Braden and I literally sat here for maybe an hour. We probably did an entire episode, yeah. but it like wasn't recorded. No, we just talked about, we were talking about uh, like sports and, and uh, like funding and yeah. male and female um, like skill ceilings and stuff like that and it's actually how really it's related to like finances and yeah super interesting conversation that no one will ever hear about yeah um but that is not what we're talking about today today our episode is on vegetarianism and this was sparked by a w's uh new beyond meat burger which brayton actually told me today a w is a canadian company which i didn't actually know i thought it was american pretty sure it's canadian um, i think it was canadian bought by americans and then sold back to canadians so then like so we've got a and w we've yep. got timmy's Timmy's is American, I think. It's American now, but it was No, Canadian. it's Brazilian, actually. Oh, yeah. It's like... Because the company that owns Burger King owns Tim Hortons, right? I think so. And uh, Harvey's is Canadian, but I don't know. I never hear about Harvey's anymore. They just built one. Where? Uh, where the Swiss Chalet is. Oh. Um, yeah, I know. It's weird. Yeah, that is Oop. weird. That was loud. I think there's one in Bears Lake as well. Um, Maybe they're making a comeback or something. Yeah, who knows? Harvey's makes a hamburger a beautiful thing. Is that? Oh, yeah, that is there. I thought it was Have It Your Way. No, that's BK. Yeah. Have It Your Way at BK. Which actually makes more sense for Harvey's because they're the, like, build your own burger place. That's why I thought that that was their thing. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, so we actually went, uh, me and Braden and Courtney went and tried the Beyond Meat Burger before this episode um and so what we're gonna do is basically start by talking about that give a little review of the burger and uh because you know this is bacon fruit yeah um but we're gonna use that as a segue into actually talking about vegetarianism as as kind of a concept and as a thing um uh, long-time listeners probably know that i am a uh, vegetarian i've been one for i think this is four four or five years now 
that I haven't eaten meat for. So it's been a while. Um, so actually this burger was weird because it, it tasted like beef. Like it tasted like what I remember burgers, beef burgers to taste like, which was strange because um, I haven't had one of those in a long time. Yeah, I, I brought that up while you're eating. I was like, it's going to be really weird where you haven't had meat in so many years. So like, what do you think of the flavor and me who I probably had a burger like yesterday or the day before what I think of the flavor compared to like quite recently. Yeah. So, so the beyond meat burger for the uninitiated, um, it is like a, a bunch of basically, uh, vegetable derivatives put together. So it's base is kind of a pea protein base. So I think each patty has about 20 grams of pea protein in it. Um, and then there's just a bunch of other vegetables in there, like beets and sweet potatoes and, and all sorts of random stuff like that, um, that they took different parts of it. And basically they worked in a lab for a long time to try and get the texture and the taste right, um, with all of these things. And, you know, I, I don't eat fast food very frequently. I don't remember the last time I had fast food. And part of that is, is because I'm a vegetarian. I, there's really not a lot of fast food to, to eat. Um, and so to me, this just tasted like a fast food burger. Like that's what I remember them tasting. Like, um, even though it's been like what five years or something since I've had one. Um, yeah, to me, like that's it was like, oh, this is your standard fast food burger. Um, seems like if you like fast food burgers, it. I don't think you would notice if somebody didn't tell you that it was not meat. You wouldn't know. Yeah, I I agree with that. Like, um, knowing that it was a meat, there's a couple differences. I think it's a little bit thinner is almost the right. It it kind of reminded me of, you remember those um, burgers we'd get for the Dup's barbecues? Oh, yeah. Like the yeah. really thin the, little. Like, disgusting, cheap, like probably gave you cancer burgers. Yeah, great way to compare them. But yeah. they had like a, they weren't as thick. Like they didn't have as much of a consistency as like a, a regular like hamburger that you cook on a barbecue yourself or whatever. It kind of had that sort of consistency. It's most other times I've had veggie burgers. They're almost like um, they almost like break apart kind of as you chew them. Yeah, like they they don't have a chewiness to them like a, a meat burger because they're lacking kind of the fat of ground beef to hold it all together yeah and this felt like meat it just felt like a like a thinner like a really lean meat almost yeah yeah i guess that's probably the the best like it was almost more like a like a turkey burger or something i haven't had turkey burger so i'm not sure like if you've ever had ground turkey um which is leaner i have not um but uh, yeah flavor wise like it just, I mean, there's enough difference between a burger at McDonald's or A&W or Wendy's or any other spot. Like, they all have kind of different flavors of still beef, but they don't taste exactly the same. And this just kind of got thrown in the mix with those in my mind. Yeah, I don't... Like, same thing. If you just gave it someone fed them, I don't think they'd know the difference that it wasn't meat, which is cool. No, I... I was kind of like I was eating it. I was thinking to myself, I was like, did we get the right one? Because, man, I'd feel bad if we just gave Pat like a meat burger. Yeah. Well, it had like the Beyond meat packaging. They're doing that big promotion and stuff. So yeah. I'm pretty sure it was the right one. Um, but 
you know, that's that's a really interesting point to talk about is that, you know, this is kind of where vegetarianism is going, you know, because of, of the environmental impact of meat and, and that whole thing. Like, switching over meat eaters, I think, will largely come from products like this where you can't really tell the difference. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of really good vegetarian and vegan options um, that taste great in their own right, but they don't taste like meat. You know, if you if you go to like a nice vegan restaurant, um, like there's one in the North End called uh, On V, and they have like a vegan donaire, and it doesn't taste anything like, like they shouldn't call it that because it doesn't taste anything like a donaire, but it, it tastes really good. It but just it's not donaire. Doesn't taste like donaire. Yeah. Right. Um, and and so, but they're you know try- they don't call falafels meatballs exactly. They're trying to market it as as something to like for a meat eater, right? And and I think that's doing it wrong. Yeah. Like that's doing the the food itself an injustice. And I understand because if, if you're a meat a big meat eater, um, and you go to a place like that, I don't know why you're going to go to a vegan restaurant if you're a big meat eater. But if you get dragged or something by somebody, um and you're, you, you need to eat, like, you'll be like, oh, I'll get the, the vegan doner. But then you're going to be like, oh, this is disgusting. This doesn't taste like what I expect a doner to taste like. So you're going to think it's gross right off the bat. But if they just say this is like something else, then you'll be like, you don't know what to expect. So you'll, you won't be expecting something and have it be different than that and automatically think it's gross. Yeah. Um, whereas in this case, you go to A&W, you expect an A&W burger. Honestly, I don't remember what A&W burgers taste like, but this tastes like a Burger. A burger. Yeah. And so if you go and, and you're like, it's oh. It's not just taste and felt and smelled and looked like a burger. Yeah. Like if, if you just brought me that, right? If we brought that to one of our friends who doesn't eat, like who hates the idea of being a vegetarian, didn't tell them, they would never know. Like if we brought a bunch of those home for a bunch of people and we're like, oh, we, we've got A&W for everybody. Nobody would know. Yeah. If we didn't tell them. Nobody would ever guess. Um, it's kind of it's weird too because like it kind of makes me wonder people who um, only ever eat like meat burgers and stuff like that like you know the thought of like you know having a veggie burger or something just would have never crossed their mind so the idea that all this stuff had to be done to make a veggie burger seem like a meat burger not just in flavor but in like texture and like consistency and look and all that stuff and how hard it's been i guess to formulate that it's it's probably a, a lot of things like meat eaters probably just never even realized was a problem from their perspective sort of thing like they just saw veggie burger and probably thought it was like it's, i don't know ground up lettuce or something I <laughs> like i don't know well, that would be flavorful mm. oh my god yeah I mean, like, that's the thing. If you say I'm going to have a black bean burger, right? People know what to expect. You expect something beany. Um, but it, when you go to a fast food restaurant and you order a burger, you expect a burger, right? A fast food burger. And this this tastes like that. So I think it's a good for for the person who out there who is, like, afraid of vegetarianism or afraid of these sorts of things or, or you know, is picky and doesn't want to try it. Like, go try this. And you'll be like, oh, so it basically like you won't be able to notice a difference. You'll be like, okay, so for me who loves me, this is a fine alternative, right? It's got lots of protein. It's it's good for you. Um, 
well, I mean, as good as a fast food burger can be for you. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's interesting. But but what I think that this is a good kind of driving force for a conversation is more so like vegetarianism as a concept. So you and I famously agree on most things, which makes a lot of our... We've talked about this on the show before, that, that we were like, we need somebody who disagrees with us on things. <laughs> we just tend to, to talk and then... Or we might start from different points, but then just come to a thing where we're like, yeah, yep, we're both right here. Like, it's, it's great. I think uh, yeah. we've come to a great conclusion. Um, but yeah, so, so like in this case, you know, I haven't eaten meat for a while. You eat meat. Um, so... Like, just to start off the conversation, what are your thoughts on the concept of vegetarianism? And I'm not talking about, um, you know, the kind of obnoxious vegans and stuff that stand outside rib fest saying, like, meat is murder and whatnot with their posters. Mm -hmm. We can get into that if you want. Like, but I think that sort of protest is pointless. Um, You're not going to convince anybody. And I think, you know, vegans were complaining about the beyond meat burger at a and w saying like oh they don't have like a special grill for it or whatever but i think you need to be pragmatic when you're in a minority you need to be pragmatic with your victories and take them where you can get them right and and so if this is going to cause even one percent of the people who go into a and w to not order beef and order this instead right like that's still a a one percent reduction in the amount of beef that they're selling right and so you know take your victory um where you can get it and and allow that to happen don't just say it's not enough like we're don't be an all or nothing and i think a lot of a lot of kind of um vegan activists are the all or nothing type where it's like you have to you can't do anything um like it's either 100% or it's not good enough. You're reminding me of our last podcast episode. We're talking about activism and civility and stuff. Like, yeah. just, it was just the way that you're discussing that. So maybe we'll actually have to bring that up when we get to kind of, like, the full structure of that episode. Which may hopefully be the next episode or maybe the one after. I'm yeah, sure. we'll, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. But, um, yeah, I get what you mean. Like, growing up, the debate with vegetarianism to me was always the morality of it coming from an animal or not and an animal having to die or not right um which is a less difficult decision to make because of how separated we are from that activity happening versus like you don't even cook the food as a kid right like it's just brought to you so um it was always just like, like, why would you ever bother sort of thing, I guess, maybe as a kid. And the people who were vegetarian were weird. If they even were vegetarian. I don't even know if they were well, yeah, vegetarians and, and, as a kid. You know, uh, just to add to that point, it, it, moreover, like, I always remember kind of vegetarianism being sold as like this effeminate thing where, you know, it was masculine to eat meat and stuff like that. Sure. Like, yeah. Men yeah, yeah. Were, ate their steaks and drank beer and whatnot. And, I still think there's some of that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that, certainly that's the case. I mean, you know, things have, have changed since we were kids, but, but yeah, I just throwing that in there. The, the argument for vegetarianism being an environmental thing, I kind of, maybe like late university is probably kind of when I first started like hearing about that and kind of picking that up 
And in my mind, at least in our generation, that's a lot more attractive of, um, a, of a purpose because like we've been fucking going on about reduce, reuse and recycle since we were little children. Right. So, um, tying it to environmental, uh, like basically doing what we can to save as much of the earth as we can. And like, here's one more thing you can do. And it actually has a huge fucking impact. Um, if we ever want to do it sort of thing, that feels like an, um, an easier thing to pitch. Well, remember that episode we did. Yeah. So I was thinking about that actually too. It was them about Leonardo DiCaprio's national geographic, Thing. Is that what you're talking about? Maybe it was later than that. We did like a thing on environmentalism or the. I feel like it was from thing. that episode. Maybe it though. was from that episode because they were talking about like 50 percent of farmland in the states is no, for it growing was something food like, for cows. 50 like percent of the states is oh, just yeah. used for like cattle grazing or something like that. Yeah, like, so, it was, like yeah, something absurd like that. Um, yeah, because I was thinking about that because one of the things I think that came out of that conversation was that. I think we did the math and we as on a North American diet probably eat about three times as much meat or at least by protein as is necessary for our sustenance or, or whatnot. So like, you know, say you had meat in every one of your meals a day and you eat three times a day. If you just ate meat in one of those meals and just cut it out of the other two, that would be like a, you would at least, only be eating as much as you need to rather than like overeating um like many many of us do and things like this burger feel like a good way of filling in that gap of being like we're not saying like don't eat like it would be good if people didn't eat meat for the environmental impact and yeah for the moral argument or whatnot but people are not going to do that. People are still going to eat meat. But if you can just reduce how much people eat meat and find ways of making them more comfortable with doing that, like you said, take the victory you can get sort of thing. And I think that's an easier thing to pitch. Well, yeah, like at least with a burger like this now, if you're like, let's go grab a burger from the fast food, you know, we're on a road trip, let's grab a burger. You can say like, well, let's just stop at A&W and we can get this, right? Yeah, because it's good. It's, yeah. a good. it's as good as the other burgers you're going to get. No, exactly. Um, and so I guess like to that point, discussing the, the factors behind vegetarianism, I think are a little more philosophical because I think you raise a very salient point. They're saying that like, that's not going to change people. And so I just want to ask you, um, as a, somebody who needs meat, like what is, so to me, there's, there have always been three reasons. And I think these are the three major reasons behind any vegetarianism you typically someone will lean in toward one or the other um you know stronger in one direction but there's the environmental factor um which is that um you know cattle especially require tons of land and tons of food um and i think it's something like 90 percent of the global our global soy production is to feed cows and and things like that um there is, uh, you know, so we have to cut down forests to grow soy to feed cows so we can eat it. Whereas if we just ate the soy, you know, there's a lot of loss of efficiency when yep. you have to feed an animal because it's, you know, it's like a, 
what is it, a hundred to one or something like that? That's insane. Or a thousand to one, something like that, of like every gram of protein you give an animal that you can actually get back from its meat. Um, and you know, so there's the environmental issue. Then you have the morality issue, which is in order to eat an animal, you have to kill it. Um, yeah. And, you know, God, I've, I've thought about that before, but like, I wonder if like people would be so hard on giving up meat that they figured out ways of like just taking bits of meat off an animal without having to kill. That sounds horrible. I know. I know. But I was just thinking about it as like, that sounds like some crazy future dystopian nightmare. Yes, it does. <laughs> but I mean, with, with animals, a lot of it is like people don't want to see how the sausage is made, right? Because you show somebody a factory farm or a slaughterhouse and it's it's a horrid thing. And, you know, a lot of these animals are raised in, in just awful, atrocious conditions, Um which is one part of it. And then it's the other part where even if you raise an animal in a good condition, you still have to kill it to eat it. Um, you know, so a couple of weeks ago, my dog died and I was, you know, very sad. It was my dog of 12 and a half years. And, and uh, you know, it, it kind of, my brother and I were just discussing it. And, and it's, it's interesting that you'll see people weep over, an animal that they love and they've fostered for years um, and then, you know, go eat a burger or, a, you know, have a chicken salad or chicken breast or whatever. And it's like people have chickens as pets and cows is like people get a- attached to those things too. Like what is the actual difference? And realistically there isn't much, you know, chickens are birds and they're pretty smart and cows are cows. Um, and, and, all of these, all of these animals that we, eat, you know, pigs are are very intelligent animals as well, um, and stuff like that. So are sheep, and and these things. And and if you had one as a pet, you probably wouldn't want to eat it. You'd you'd get attached to it, you know. Um, but we we somehow there's this cognitive dissonance between our animals that we keep in our houses domestically and those that we eat and and part of it is as you say we're so disconnected from the actual processing of the food like we don't see you see a chicken breast you don't see a chicken right you see this like pile of meat as opposed to a, a, a cow or a, you know you see the ground beef or whatever and it doesn't look like an animal it's somebody has killed it and cut it to bits and and in some cases you know ground or processed its meat um and I've, I've always thought there's this really interesting cognitive dissonance that we have as humans and somehow we're able to just be like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, that actually brings up a funny um, comparison I saw. Or I was, yeah, I was listening to a podcast with Chris Hadfield and um, he mentioned something about can't remember the context of what they're comparing against, but he was saying something about 40,000 Americans die every year from car crashes. And the point he's making is he's like, you know, we just accept that. We're just like, oh, okay, that's, you know, that's just the way it is. But like, in comparison, if 40,000 people died from some other thing, people would freak out, right? And so... We just accept that, like, cows and pigs and chickens, at least in North America, those are kind of the 
I don't know, the holy triangle or whatever of meat. We just accept that those are the ones that are okay. If that makes sense. You know, like even if you go look at a menu and you see something like duck or deer or bear or moose, you still know that people eat them, but that would give you a little bit of like a, hmm, like that's different. Like that's, that one's not normal. And if you saw cat, dog, whatever, even if it wasn't your cat or dog or whatever, you'd like lose your shit. Well, that's like, the thing, the right? And, and But like realistically, what's the difference? Somewhere along the way, we just decided that those are the ones that are okay. Those are the ones we've accepted are... Well, it's, you know, it's, it's, we've grown up where that's just the world we live in, right? Where dogs are pets and pigs we eat. Um, I think there's a little bit more to it, like dogs and cats, probably more so dogs, I think, than anything, like have been like co-evolved with humans over the last, I don't know how many thousands of years to really play on each other's kind of emotions and, and like co-living. Um, so I think that there's, I think it's a little bit, I do think it's a little bit different just because the extra amount of domestication that's kind of gone into those animals. But that's just because like, those are the ones we picked to not farm 10,000 years ago or whatever it was. Right. But like, and is, this is just a continuation of is that. that just some sort of self justification or like, I don't think so. Like I said, I think that's a choice that was made a long time ago. Like, that we're not going to eat these ones. I guess my question is like, do you think that it is actually morally wrong to kill an animal to eat it? Like when we, we now we don't have to, right? There's no, there's no reason to, we have lots of, we can get all of our nutrients through, uh, through non-animal, through you know, vegan and vegetarian sources, we don't need to kill animals. Or, or it's a good question. Um, I definitely can see myself saying I can believe it to be morally wrong to kill more than you would need to, but then you bring up the argument of well, we don't really need to anymore. Exactly, we don't really need to kill anything. We kill something like fifteen billion chickens a year. That's a lot of chickens. I don't think... So I would say, yeah, it probably is morally wrong. I just don't think people think about morality in their choice of food. But that could also be... Like, that could... That could also swing the other way. So, there's not... Is it Indian cuisine is a lot of vegetarian based? Yeah, Indian cuisine a or lot. Mostly vegetarian. Mostly vegetarian, yeah. So I think part of the problem is, and this is in particular my problem with, like I, uh, I've kind of gone through stages of trying to do better of eating less meat. And I've found it hard in certain ways because using meat in dishes is what I know how to do. Like I love cooking. But I only know so many recipes, and those recipes generally revolve around meat. Because that's just what I've learned, and it's what I grew up with. It's what I know. So there would be a, and I I am going to be trying to do this, but there's a large effort required to shift my diet effectively over to something that has a lot less meat in it. Just because it will be unnatural for me to start cooking that stuff. Uh, like on a whim 
or whatever, right? Um, but there's there's things to say like I prefer stir fries with tofu now over meat, and it's not like a meat versus vegetable thing. It's like I this dish was introduced to me in such a way that hey, I think it makes the sauces more pronounced and taste better and that's what i like from stir fry so now i like tofu in my stir fry right like it's it it isn't even it doesn't even come down to a meat versus vegetarian choice so i would imagine if more vegetarian um diversity was kind of introduced into our diets and into our like social norms like at younger ages and in more like social settings i think we like we all love nachos, right? I mean, there's cheese, so it's not vegan, but... And some people put chicken and beef on it, but, like, I also don't think that that... I think that dilutes what is good about nachos, Yeah, they, those right? don't belong on nachos. They shouldn't be there. Like, people do it because, ah, meat. Yeah, they're, it's incorrect, though. That's not how you eat nachos. You yeah, have so jalapenos, but... there's definitely ways, I think, that we could help the problem, but... It will take some work kind of getting people to know that there are other things they can cook out there and eat out there that aren't like steak and potatoes. I mean, I think that's a really important point, right? Like we are educated from a young age to have meat in our diet. And obviously, you know, depending on which kind of your cultural upbringing, you'll have more or less meat. And, you know, some people won't eat any meat or, or some people eat a lot of meat. But but the kind of, you know, still a lot of North Americans are on the kind of traditional British, like, meat and potatoes diet. Um, Haggis. Yeah, like, like that's kind of what a lot of people grew up eating. Actually, there was a point I wanted just to add on, sorry, quickly from the other part you were saying. One of the other kind of, and it, this is just like a biology, um, like Ezio, fucking get away from her. Uh, for all you listeners out Sorry. there, Braden is trying He's, to stop a cat fight. Yeah. I'll leave that in there. It seems Fine. unsuccessful. <laughs> no. Oh, just, maybe it was successful. Yeah, he knows, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like, it's it's just kind of like a shitty thing about biology, but younger meat tastes better. Yeah, so it's more it, tender, right? Like, that's why... Tender, now... it's less, like, the, there's less influence from weird things in the diet over the course of the life of the animal. And he just pushed the pen under the door. Yeah, classic um, cat. But my point of that is, is, like, if you raised cattle or chicken or whatever... And they just died, like, you know, they had a aneurysm or whatever, whatever. And like, yeah, why not eat them? Like, they're dead anyway, right? That, like, that would, unless it's from some crazy disease or something that would harm you, then okay, fine. Like, I, that I don't see, I, I can't see any moral objection to that sort of thing. No. But that also means they're at the end of their life cycle, so the meat is probably not as good. Well, so, and, and you, which you, is a you weird... wouldn't want to do that to your pet, right? Like, if your cat dies, you're not going to be like, all right, well, fire up the grill. Like, let's... <laughs> right? Like... I, th- I think that does happen in certain societies. I'm though. sure like, there are places pet where that does. You know, celebrate by... your animal dies and you're like, well, time to eat. <laughs> let's make a feast. Um, there was a great Simpsons episode where Homer gets a lobster and then raises yeah. it and doesn't want to eat, but then ends up eating. He accidentally cooks it because he... he <laughs> 
pours bath. He gives it a bath and he pours the bath water too hot, and then he eats it while he's crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I but, uh, yeah, I mean, so. I was talking about, like, diversity of diet and stuff like that right before I, I wanted to add that part on about, uh, like, aged food or whatever, right? Um, no, uh, diversity of diet is a, is a very important thing. Education, um, even the Canada Food Guide, right? If you look at that, um, the Canada Food Guide recommends meat and dairy and stuff like that when, you know, a lot of that, especially dairy and whatnot, is the dairy lobby we have a very powerful dairy lobby in this country um but those things i heard that that was developed by the department of agriculture not by like the department of health and whatever whatever like that would make sense i don't actually know the problem i, I want to look into to that comment to see if that's true because if that's true like that's that's kind of fucked yeah it's messed up eh? <laughs> um yeah, and, and there are a lot of interests, you know, big, powerful groups that, that want you to eat their particular food. Um, but, yeah, we don't need to eat meat. We can get all of our vitamins and minerals and protein and carbohydrates and fats from vegetarian and vegan sources. Um, you know, I haven't eaten meat in many years. And I, I, I mean, I'm not a vegan, but I rarely eat non vegan you do the thing that i ideally would like to do with meat it's like i'm not going to go vegetarian but like i would like to eat less meat yeah like, like, like i would like to have less of it in my diet being a vegan is just like that's an amount of work for you that you don't want to do and i don't want to no, go full it's vegetarian. not even it's not even that it's 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 I find our our culture has adapted to being a vegetarian. You can go anywhere and get a vegetarian dish, but it's very hard to get a vegan dish anywhere, right? And and it's just like I've always been of the uh, the mindset that you'll never win anybody over by being a dick. And so the people that are vegans and vegetarians that are assholes about it and like lecture you all the time, they just make you hate them and they make you want to be a vegetarian less. But the people that are just chill and like, don't worry about me, I'll figure it out and whatever, like, I feel like those people are the ambassadors that we actually want for this to show everybody around them that like, it's pretty easy to be a vegetarian, right? Like, it's not. And Some of the stuff with being vegan is really like, I get the cheese one, right? Because we like selectively breed cows to lactate beyond what is normal. Right, so there's some strain and something unnatural about the way the animal's treated for that. But, like, stuff like honey. Like, why is that weird? You know? It's created by an animal, but, like, it's a byproduct of... Yeah, I mean, if... As long as bees produce more honey than they need, which, if if you're taking the honey that they need, you're a terrible uh, beekeeper. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because then all your bees are going to die. Yeah. Bees? Is it horticulture? Is that what raising bees is called? I know the word horticulture, but I haven't Maybe ever that's associated not it. with bees. But whatever the word is for beekeeping, like keeping bees is, is really good. You know, if 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 it people have to take some honey to, to raise bees, great. Bees are fantastic for the environment, and we're losing a lot of bees because of... Um, because of our agricultural practices, typically, you know, mainly monocultures, which we're using to feed cattle... Um, so 
you know, a lot of our bees are dying because of that. So it's good wherever we can raise bees. Yeah, go for it. Um, honey, things like that, I, I think is, is a little, is pushing it a bit. I, I don't really see the point behind that. Um, the bees are fine. They, they make loads of honey anyway. And again, as long as the bees have enough honey, then who cares? Um, and, and I also think like, I don't, I'm not overly concerned with like, eggs if not like battery caged eggs but yeah. like if, if you have chickens in good health and that are kept well and have a nice pen to, to do their thing in and they're just like domesticated chickens um like some some people are, are again like you know 100 percent vegan where they're against any sort of like animal domestication and stuff i, I don't really have an issue with that um you know, I think you can give an animal a perfectly good life, a domestic life. And, and and if that's the case, you know, who cares? They have some eggs there and you take them. As long as the chicken has a good life and you're treating it very well, I don't see a, a particular big issue with that. Um, but, yeah, a lot of, like, milk products and stuff, um, yeah, it's not good for the cows. Um, we're not treating the cows well. Um, and And honestly, like... I drink almond milk, which there are some environmental issues with that because typically a lot of the almond milk is made in California and um, they have water issue. They have water problems in California. It takes a lot of water to make almond milk. Um, they pump it in from some mountain reservoir far away, I think. Yeah, um, which is a bad practice, but, um, you know, there is... It, there, you know, we can find ways to make fresh water pretty easily if we want to put the energy in. Realistically, it's, we can just distill ocean water, and it's not gonna no issue. So, water is is not really at a premium as long as we have, you know, put the, put the investment in. But uh, yeah, so you know, and plus, it's picking the lesser of two evils. Nothing is perfect for the environment. Obviously, everything's gonna be bad, but you, you got to pick your battles, right? Um, but the the last thing of the third of the three things we've got environment the environmental issue the the moral issue but then there's the socioeconomic issue of you know that it things that producing meat affects um, like climate change and whatnot disproportionately affects poor people um, uh, people living in poverty um, processed meat and stuff like that. Um, is pretty bad for your health and, and a lot of people living in in poverty can only afford the kind of crappier meats and whatnot um and a lot of the conditions that like farmers live in and stuff and that that are growing a lot of the feed for for meat and stuff is not great there there are just issues like that um so those are kind of three planks behind your idea of you know the, the kind of idea of vegetarianism and typically some vegetarians will lean one way or the other on on certain things like i said earlier but i guess you know the, the conversation that i really wanted to have was was kind of about the the morality but really on on a whole like what your the summation of these things if you think that we need to go to a more vegetarian lifestyle and if you think you know because even cutting down if everybody cut down one meat meal a day right or one meat meal a week um you know so they cut their meat intake by let's say five percent or something that's still a huge drop 
in meat production on this planet. Like dropping the meat production by 5% is massive, right? Um, Did you see the article about two and a half billion pounds of meat sitting in warehouses in the States? No, because I didn't of the tariffs. See that. That's because crazy. they're not moving. Like uh, I think the demand for pork in China or something has dropped because they hiked up the price from American imports. So there's two and a half billion pounds of meat. That's insane, <laughs> right? And and like you know when you waste meat, you're you're wasting an animal, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, like if if you think as as you know somebody who's not a vegetarian, if you think that it it is a, an, an imperative that we start making a shift towards a more vegetarian lifestyle, you know culturally, and and that includes like education um, from primary levels to subsidies to help these initiatives grow to um, you know to yeah all sorts of different things um that would be required to um to shift our society to a more vegetarian lifestyle do you think that that is something that's necessary um and will be necessary going forward i definitely think it needs the of course it needs to happen um but just the way that you worried one of those things about removing a, a meal a day of meat and like back to what I was saying about recipes, I feel like if you could just simply introduce more delicious meals that were vegetarian, so like, you know, falafel wraps or I don't know, like bean burritos or like a person can only eat so much food. And if you give them more options of more things that are delicious, but more of those options no longer have meat, they can only pick so many of those things to eat. And if the pool of those options is meat diluted, if that if that makes sense, then they're naturally going to just start having less of it in their diet. It's not dropping meat as a meal and trying to find an alternative. It's, hey, tonight I want bean burritos. And then it just so happens that there's no meat in it. Like, I, I feel like that approach will be more effective of just of giving people more choices by showing them like a whole world of flavors and things they probably just didn't even know existed. But there's no meat in those foods. Right? I feel like that's a that's a maybe more effective way of, of trying to tackle the problem. Well, and I, and I find uh, with cuisine, a lot of people are they're really kind of trepidatious to try things that they don't know. They're like, oh, I don't know what this tastes like, so I don't want to try it. Um, when a lot of uh, like stuff, especially like curries and things like that, can be really, really tasty. You know, and they're a different flavor than you're used to. Um, if you, especially if you grew up on like a meat and potatoes diet, but like they're they can be super flavorful and really yummy. And especially if you're into like spicy stuff, like they can be extremely delicious. And a lot of that stuff. Um, like curries especially some of them are super easy to make you kind of just toss a bunch of stuff in a pot and it kind of makes me wonder if like if that if I feel that way does that defeat the purpose of the Beyond Meat burger right like well, I think, or is it a two pronged approach I think, I think it's a multi pronged approach right and I think the Beyond Meat burger is essential to 
be that kind of gateway drug, right? For the people that to show them like, hey, you know, meat alternatives aren't that bad. Like it tastes just like your regular burger. Um, I've heard some people say that it tastes better or some people say that it tastes roughly the same. Um, but it's just kind of like, hey, look, you know, even your like favorite thing, a burger is just as good as as the, the your normal meat burger. So like, why don't you try something else and see how that works out? Um, like I personally like, and I know you've made some tasty black bean burgers in your day. Mm-hmm. Um, like I love like a good bean burger can be really tasty as well. Like it's it obviously tastes totally different than a than a beef burger, but it's it's a different. It tastes good in a different way, right? Um, and I think it's just getting people used to that idea that most meat alternatives are not going to taste like meat. You know, this is a good first step and say like, hey, look, it tastes just like meat. But but I think you need to go one step further and be like, hey, I know you like the taste of meat, but like this is, it's not going to taste like meat, but it's also, it's still going to taste good. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, I mean, on that note, talking about cuisine, a lot of like some people switch to vegetarianism and veganism um, for a healthier lifestyle, you know, because a lot of the kind of crappier foods that you'll eat tend to have meat in them. Um, you know, fast food is an example of that, um, where the Beyond Meat Burger kind of defeats that purpose. But like, you know, if you go to uh, a lot of restaurants or something, especially like a, a like a pub food or something, typically like sometimes you're stuck with like, all right, well, I have to get a salad. Right. And it kind of forces you to eat a little healthier. Um, and and you're eating kind of things that have less, you know, trans fats in them and stuff like that. Um, and kind of a lot more healthier fats from like uh, vegetable oils and and nuts and things like that. Um and so like uh, from a nutritional standpoint i think there is definitely merit there like obviously you can have a perfectly healthy diet eating meat um but a lot of the crappier and cheaper things like processed meats and stuff are really bad for you they're full of junk um and that's that's easy to to get and easy to eat and i find like when you can't have that you're forced to be like okay well i guess i'm gonna have to put a little more effort into into my food which makes it more difficult for people um who don't have a lot of time who don't have a, a lot of income and stuff like that to devote the time especially to learning new recipes and things like that yeah. but um nutritionally if if you actually want to do it 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 can be it can make your life a little easier to to help you lose some weight or something um by just forcing you to cut out some of the un, more unhealthy things that, that you're having in your diet um, so on that standpoint, like, do you think there's merit to the idea of, uh, knowing that of course you can eat a perfectly healthy diet with meat, um, you know, and, and a lot of most athletes and stuff still eat meat and they're obviously very healthy people. Um, well, some athletes have to like wake up at two in the morning and eat yeah. fucking tomahawk steaks or whatever in order to just maintain their body mass. Yeah, exactly. Like depending on, on the type of sport that you're doing, um, Sometimes you just have to be eating all the time um, and you need lots of protein and things like that. Um, of course, that being said, you know, there, there are vegan athletes and stuff as well that, that get perfectly, you know, are perfectly healthy um, eating a vegan diet and whatnot. But, but from the idea of a nutritional standpoint, what are your thoughts on that?
I think that it's probably more the move away from processed food than anything that is because I mean like you can buy like a bag of frozen vegetables it's pretty much the same as as if you bought them fresh I mean there, there might be some nutritional differences but like it's just it's still at the end of the day it's still no, a I've, vegetable I've, isn't I've it? always wanted to look into it to see and, and I'm pretty I think sure... they just they pick them right when they're ripe or right at the right stage of ripeness and then just flash freeze them and yeah. then ship them. I don't think you lose any nutrition freezing it I'm pretty sure you lose flavor but I don't think you lose nutrition so quote-unquote processed vegetables are basically more or less the exact same as fresh vegetables they just don't taste as good yeah but like processed meats and now okay so maybe there's some arguments about like if you get tomato sauces or things like that stuff that actually has had some amount of processing to yeah and you make a secondary like, kind of you thing. know obviously like potato chips can be vegan but still obviously not good for you yeah and so um but when you get like you know, if you get a box of chicken wings, like, there's a lot more crap stuff put into there, especially because they have to add flavor, they have to do all this other stuff, than um, processed for vegetables and things like that if you buy, like, frozen or if you buy, like, cans of beans or whatnot. So, if you still go back and look at, like, what you can cook with vegetables and you know how to cook certain things. I think you can still buy cheap, buy fast, buy like do those things that satisfy a processed meal type diet and still can get some of the healthier benefits out of it. So I think it, it, it naturally has more lean towards being a healthier diet anyway. There's there's less ways for it to be processed negatively against you, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, no, that's true. And I mean, you know, obviously sugar is is vegan. Um. <laughs> Not honey. That's true. Beet sugar, you mean? Or yeah, it's from beets, right? Cane sugar. Most processed sugar is from beets. Is it? Oh yeah. Rare. I did not. Oh know. yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, not much from cane sugar. You learn something new every day. Yeah, beets. I don't know how they do it. Well, a lot of, I guess, and then there's like corn syrup too. Yeah, yeah, that's from corn, I imagine. <laughs> yes, probably. There's a certain type of oil that's really bad because uh, it comes from one particular type of tree and it's like the amount of space the tree needs to grow or something. Oh, are you talking palm oil? Pa- yeah, my, maybe. Oh, palm oil is horrific for the environment because, yeah. like, they basically, they grow where rainforests are. So you just have to score. They're just, like, scorching rainforests to grow palm oil. And palm oil is basically just, like, a cheap food additive to, like, basically take up space in food. Like, Nutella is, like, a, has a ton of palm oil in it. Yeah. And it's just, like, to fill it. Don't buy stuff with palm oil. Yeah, it's bad. You can get, like, sustainably farmed palm oil. Um, but just like, don't even bother. Like, don't just don't buy. Just get rid of its oil. demand. Yeah, you don't yeah. need to. So uh, there are there are concerns with uh, vegetarian diets as well. Yeah, for like, like economic. I think I thought quinoa was one of the ones that was because like, didn't it only grow in a particular area and it 
fucked their economy. So I've heard that, but I've never actually like found the source, found any sources on it. Yeah. So okay, and I'll, also, I'll say like, the story of it, but I don't know what. Like I've heard lots of rumors on this, but I've never seen like any firsthand articles or anything. And and now you can buy quinoa that's grown everywhere. Like uh, the quinoa that you buy in grocery stores is usually like Alberta. Or yeah, I sort of right. imagine it, this may have been like at the very beginning or something. Maybe my what the story was was that it was grown. Or it was native to somewhere in South America, I think. And it was like the protein that they ate there. Uh, but then once it became like a fad, it got in super high demand and it kind of screwed over their local source of like, this is what we eat. Like, because the price got inflated and all kinds of other crazy stuff. I remember hearing that, but then I thought, like, that doesn't make any sense because the farmers would be making a ton of money. I guess the. Well, the, the it people, depends who owns the farm. Everybody else wouldn't, wouldn't be able to afford it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, we should we should actually find the yeah, source on that. Yeah, because everybody you talk to says they've heard that, but I've never seen firsthand information. Could on you that. imagine if this like if if that was stories made up and you were that one guy who made it up and you're just like, man, I can't believe that yeah, worked. Fake news. <laughs> um, yeah, like obviously, uh, no diet is perfect, right? And you do have to if you do care about the environment as your first. You know, if that's your number one choice for food eating, you really need to look into it and to everything you're eating, really, because a lot of stuff is not sustainably made. Um, you know, meat's an easy thing. You can say, like, yeah, meat's not sustainable, and it's not. I mean, I don't think there are any questions there that meat is not really a sustainable food product, but there are plenty of vegetarian things that are... What What would you say more to the people that try and do more of like hunting their own meat kind of stuff so i've heard arguments of like you know if we didn't eat any meat if we didn't ranch any meat products and if you wanted meat you had to go hunt it yourself um honestly like so yeah morally you're still having to kill an animal but environmentally speaking like as long as you're doing sustainable hunting like say you're hunting moose in newfoundland where there are too many of them or something like that like as long as you're hunting a sustainable thing and, and only so many people are allowed to hunt you know only so many like they can only are, kill a thousand a year yeah only so many is, things are giving out really to hard. hunt you know whatever animals that you're doing like environmentally there's not a big issue and you could actually like sync that up with trying to balance stuff like if there are too many of whatever that you have yeah to this year this is what's on the menu do a call and in that case, like, people couldn't be picky. If it's, like, you have to eat coyotes because there are too many coyotes, like, <laughs> you're hunting, yeah. then it's, like, okay. Um, you know, obviously, that doesn't get around your moral issues. But environmentally speaking, like, that could uh, that could potentially be beneficial um, to... I mean, it could also be, like, part of a solution, too. Because, like, some people, like, just like meat. You know, and, like, things like, yeah, the this burger, like because we were talking about while eating this is like well okay they've come pretty close to simulating beef but like yeah. there's still chicken there's still there's still all these other burgers that they have to well the, the thing like, that get the, together and figure out and then then they'll have to do steak and then like there's a lot of meat to cover so like there's meat that you can grow in labs and they're working on that like just basically growing muscle yeah. tissue in labs and, and i'm sure eventually the price on that will come down they'll figure out how to do it in an industrial way and that'll be kind of a meat alternative um but like because beyond that like replicating the taste of animal 
fat is very difficult Mm -hmm. because like bacon for example um which i you sent me a text the other day and you were like man bacon has so many calories (laughs) (laughs) it's like yeah bacon is like all fat that's why it's got the huge white strip um but yeah animal fat is a very kind of distinct flavor um and it's a delicious flavor like that's we're like tuned to like fat we evolved to like fat because it's super calorie dense um so it tastes good that's why things like butter and bacon and what else am i I'm thinking drooling a little bit yeah. over here. what else has has lots of fat bacon wrapped butter <laughs> that that is uh like kobe beef and stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah. like well marbled steaks and... or like even chicken wings or something that that are very fatty um you know they they taste good they've got that creamy texture and stuff like that i'm just trying to make Braden hungry at this point um because that that because of that animal fat and and so replicating that like there are lots of vegetable fats you know like uh, nuts are very high in fat um but animal fats are, are not as good for you. It makes sense, right? Um, and so replicating that taste, even with vegetable fats, I don't know if we'll ever get there. Who knows? Um, from like beyond meat style alternatives, maybe we'll, we can grow fat in labs and whatnot. Um, but we're trying to get people to eat less like trans fats and stuff because we know that's bad for you. So it's an interesting dynamic there. Um, yeah. Like <clears throat> I kind of wonder like, because there'll always be people who want meat. Just like, it's just, that's just the preference you you could introduce them and maybe they love all these vegetarian dishes too. But at the end of the day, it's like, I still just really like steak. Yeah. But so like, like but like what if, it, like it would be neat if things moved more away from like factory farming and all that kind of stuff, and there was that little demand that it became more of like a hunting lifestyle sort of thing or something, or like maybe you paid a hunter to go find you a wild cow. Well, like or, imagine know, like, the world where there was, you know, basically we stopped supporting the meat industry, so there wasn't much. So it was very like kind of a a luxury item. Um, so when you wanted meat, it was like that fancy meal, right? You're like, oh, I'm going to have a steak and that's going to be like... Turkey dinner once a year. Yeah, it's like the... the Except everyone eats turkey dinner at the same time once a year. That's pretty bad. I know. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's like, it'd be that like kind of really like fancy thing like on the... I mean, in Nova Scotia, you can't say like, oh, we're having lobster as a fancy because lobster is pretty cheap here and lobster season, you can get it kind of dirt cheap. But like if you lived in California and you're like, I want lobster, it's like 30 bucks a pound or something. But it'd be that same idea idea of like you want you want to have meat and you're like okay well it's it's really expensive like you know because we we culturally decided that meat was kind of not didn't fit our environmental goals and we couldn't we couldn't solve our environmental problems by having large meat stocks and 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 this uh you know focusing our agriculture in that way that we decided to move away from that and so there just wasn't a lot of meat around. So you have a steak and it's it's an expensive thing. And you're like, okay, well, this is my like one steak for whenever. For I'm having this for my birthday. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like your your one kind of meat meal that you have every now and then. I could imagine a world where that's the case, right? And and if your kids 
grow up in that world, then they just won't know anything different. Like they'll just eat plants and a plant-based diet and, and maybe they just never have meat or because you're like, I don't want to kind of actually makes me wonder too, because like, I know a lot of people who will go and they'll like, you know, pick out the cow or pick out the pig and you know, it gets butchered for them or whatever. And then that's their meat for the next like half a year or a year or whatnot. Like it's more of a one-to-one relationship rather than like you go eat a plate of chicken wings. You just ate 80 different chickens. You know what I mean? Like that, that, you know what I mean? freaks me out. That is weird when you just have like a boneyard in front of you and you're like, every two of those bones is a chicken. <laughs> so, but like, I wonder if that's more like it almost feels like the ratio ends up the same, but I wonder if it really does where like if, if a family went out and was like picked like, that's the animal that we're going to have for us. And you know, it gets butchered for you or whatever. And like, that's, that's your sole source of meat for the next however long. Like, does that end up being more environmentally friendly? I don't know. Well, I mean, if I'm you curious. look at, you know, a lot of like kind of indigenous cultures, where they, you know, they seldom ate meat because it was harder to get. Um, and when they did, they used everything. You know, I look at, like, my uncle and aunt. They live on a farm. Um, and, you know, they, they live off the land for the most part. And every now and then, a deer will come across and they'll shoot it. And they use everything, right? Like, they use the pelt. They, you know, my uncle famously loves deer heart sandwiches. Um <laughs> He's like he's all about those deer heart sandwiches. I I don't see it, yep. but but like you know they make sure to use every bit of it, and you know they freeze the meat and, and all sorts of stuff. And because they live off the land, it's like that's that's their meat for a long time. Yeah, you know, they'll a deer will last them weeks or months or whatever, um, and they'll they'll give some to their you know other people in their community and whatnot, um, and. And so that sort of lifestyle, I mean, obviously, there's only a few people who can live that sort of lifestyle. Most of us live in cities. Um, and cities can be, if we structured cities, we could make them very sustainable. Like, we don't need to have our agriculture out in these, out in Alberta growing wheat. And, and we don't need, like, our plants grown in, in, you know, tomatoes grown in California or Mexico or whatever. Like, we could literally put a greenhouse on every single building in the city and probably make enough food for the city to eat. Yeah. And you look, there's a company in Montreal that, that started doing that. And when they first started, um, you know, they, they kind of did a pilot project and it worked and, and they couldn't get anybody to to get on with this. And, and once they kind of got it going... Um, buildings were coming to them and asking them to put their greenhouse because they realized it saved them a ton of money in insulation because you've got a greenhouse on top it it keeps your building warm um or cool and so they're like yeah put your put your greenhouse on top of us and so they're growing like fresh organic plants in the middle of montreal and you know there's there's another thing too in china maybe they're growing like vines and stuff on buildings because I think for the same reason because it it works as like an insulation 
so like it's it's more environmentally friendly for i guess just having more maybe it it might be an environmental thing with because they have a lot of pollution problems or something like that i'm not really sure but um there, yeah there's some sort of trade-off in that as well and also water from the roofs draining down and trying to capture that for stuff there it's not the first i've heard of like turning buildings into green areas yeah and and so like you know you could have it so that you're growing a lot of the food that a city needs just within the city itself so you don't have to have all this transportation you don't have to have these massive like monocultures and things like that um and it's always weirded me out that the food that meat eats is in some cases more expensive than the food itself like than the meat itself like why would soy milk be more expensive than regular milk when cows eat soy to produce their milk well they get it cheaper i guess probably they do (laughs) right because most of our soy is going to feed cows so the soy that goes to feed people there's a lot less of it um and it's they can sell it at a premium and but that's you know if we could basically change the entire way that we we do our agriculture and and make a sustainable way to do this and have urban areas produce a lot of their own food and stuff like that we could do this very intelligently if we actually wanted to um and obviously you know the meat industry and the dairy industry and stuff like that and and then you know if we actually start producing a lot of our vegetables and stuff like that a lot of the agricultural industry would be against that but i think that's a necessary shift we have to take if we really care about our environmental impact yeah and and where we actually want to go as a species and and the mark that we want to leave on this planet um and so I, I think, you know, for a lot of people who are listening to this, if a lot of people ever do listen to this, um, like environmental, you know, people can get past the cognitive dissonance and they, they don't care about the moral issue or maybe not even the social economic issue. But the environmental issue is kind of really big these days. And I think um, if there's one thing that's going to sway people, it's probably that. And so looking at it like obviously what i'm talking about right now is a more drastic societal change but i think like the idea is we can switch to a future where we're very environmentally friendly and we can't do that if we're eating meat at least in the amounts we're eating it in yeah absolutely like i i I think there will never be a future without some form of, of of meat being produced um but it's probably going to be way less especially like fishing and stuff which we are just destroying the oceans um all of that needs to change our entire the entire way that we do these things has to change because they're not sustainable um if we want to be a sustainable species and and have this earth be habitable for us and everything around us then we need to rethink the way that we're doing stuff and and one of those major one of that one of those major things is basically moving from our current diets to different diets and and changing our systems of agriculture accordingly yeah <laughs> we we've both picked up our microphones and leaned back in our chairs yeah, at this point I, I think that's a sign that uh and that's probably a good note on that rant to to end the show off 
let's see if I can remember the the all this stuff, the rigmarole here. Um, so thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Bacon Fruit Podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Patrick R. Forche, or you can follow Braden on Twitter at B from Bacon Fruit. You can follow Bacon Fruit on Twitter at B at Bacon at Fruit B World. Bacon Fruit yeah, World. At Bacon Fruit World. Uh, you can follow Bacon Fruit on Instagram at Bacon Fruit Podcast, I believe. Um, you can email us any comments, questions, concerns um, at baconfruitpodcast at gmail.com. Also, you can send those same questions, comments, concerns via Instagram or Twitter. Um, and yeah, that's that's the way to find us. Um, we've been kind of inactive in our social media in the last couple of weeks. Um, but I'm sure we'll get back. Things to have it. been cray. Yeah, we'll get back to it. <laughs> we're um, back. We're in the new basement now. Yeah, you know the basement has new floors. Hopefully the echo's it's not too not, bad. It's not. I don't notice an echo. Um, uh, you hear it a lot better, like afterwards in the recording. I don't know if it's because you can still kind of hear yourself some. That's a good like, point. Even with the headphones on, like there was definitely an echo in the episode we did with Courtney. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I noticed it then. So, yeah. so hopefully it's not too bad. There's there is some stuff in this room, so hopefully it's it's absorbing a lot of the yeah. sound. Yeah, I I do want to make some modifications in here, just make it a little um, more recording. But friendly. you know, someday when the studio's done, it'll be it'll be nice. And yeah. that day it probably won't be muggy and gross either. So, oh my god, the weather's been so yeah, bad it's, lately. It's been disgusting. It's just like it's not particularly hot. Like today was hot, but like the rest of the week it's supposed to be like low twenties, but it's just a hundred percent humidity every day, and so it's just like. You're just sitting in a pile of soup. Yeah, it's just, it's walking through soup. It's breathing soup. It's just your life is soup and you feel like soup. You're a caterpillar inside of a cocoon, which Braden told me the craziest story. You should enlighten our listeners with that. Like, that's ridiculous. I didn't know that. Uh, I, I, I mean, we learned this as kids, but I guess it just didn't click at that point. I but don't like when a caterpillar goes it, through metamorphosis, it like completely basically dissolves to become the butterfly and then it's liquid form kind of rearranges or whatever and then i guess re-solidifies or reconnects and then grows out again or whatever some crazy shit like that but like it's like it's i don't i get yeah what well you were saying like if you cut open a cocoon at some point like would just goo pour out and i'm like yeah i guess so like so I guess my question is why like is it the, emulsifies or whatever the word is? Why is the caterpillar stage necessary? That's how evolution works. <laughs> is it just like the caterpillar is better at getting all, all these nutrients necessary? How the fuck did evolution decide that a caterpillar needs to harden into a thing, goo, and then grow into an entirely different creature? I love that how then you comes just out. Used- Goo as a verb. <laughs> the caterpillar <laughs> goos. <laughs> That's such a disgusting verb to use. And the, and someone posted a picture I saw of a type of moth that, like, when it comes out of its cocoon, it's alive for like a. It doesn't have a digestive system, so it just comes out to fuck, basically, and then die. That's all it does. Like once it comes out of the metamorphosis. It doesn't have a digestive system. So it just goes out, reproduces, dies. Yeah. Makes a... The, makes a whatever a pre-moth is. Is it a caterpillar? No, I think it's a different thing. Some whatever form of larvae yeah. it makes. And then that thing just eats enough to become this moth so it can fly to wherever it needs to go. To bang and then die. Well, you know, 
The debate that raged around it was, does it feel hungry? <laughs> okay. We need to end the yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> so, so thanks again for listening. Uh, yeah, feel free to contact us in any way, shape, or form. Um, and hopefully we'll be back sooner rather than later with another uh, excellent or mediocre bacon fruit episode. Yeah. So uh, thank you for listening and goodbye. Have a great day. <laughs> Cheers.